0: Well, welcome to episode 23 of Cutting It Close with Cliff and Kelsey. Uh, Tonight we have Alexander Boccieri. Mm -hmm. Did I pronounce it right? Boccieri. Maybe it is Oh dear. Super fun to talk to. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's done um, a lot lot of films, uh, Mm -hmm. Go for Broke, and then his most recent short film, The Pit.
1: The Pit, Where We Were Born. Where We Were Born,
0: excuse me. Yeah, and just super laid back, easy going, yeah, yeah. Uh, really... Also
1: wise beyond his years. Yes, too. indeed. Yeah, yeah, it's just a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We really get into some... Um some advice towards the mm-hmm. end, too, which I really enjoyed. Really well-rounded guy, mm-hmm. and um, I think we talk about a variety of subjects, which <laughs> was really cool, from Sri Lanka to mm. Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I totally missed that. I wanted to get more into the uh, the spiritual aspects uh, um, of that, yeah. but I guess we'll just have to have him on again. We'll
1: have to have him back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. To promote the Nyadi um, Patra. Yes. Spiritualjourney.com.
0: So if you are watching this, uh, we live-streamed it again. Um, the night that we recorded it, which is January 8th but whenever you're watching, thank you for watching mm-hmm. or if you're not watching and you're listening, thank you for listening. Um, do please follow us on the socials uh, mm-hmm. at cutting It close pod that's on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I believe that's all the same. You can also uh, find us at the website cutting mm-hmm. and find us on iTunes.
1: yes and thank Stitcher. you <laughs> <laughs> and... yes. Pretty much anywhere mm. podcasts are yeah.
0: found. Yeah. yeah, we're we're trying to get into Spotify also because mm-hmm. they're doing podcasts as well, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Google Podcasts is the thing mm. we need to get into. I there. use
1: Podcast Addict. That's my app of choice. Mm. It's really good. Okay, that, that's yeah. what I use. Yeah. Yeah. On the oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah mm-hmm. Rock on. So uh, I guess that's it. Is there anything else we need to add here? Mm-hmm. That's
1: pretty much it. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, here's episode twenty-three with Alex. B
2: <laughs> One, two, three, four.
3: Brian Regan, his mm, okay. uh, he's a really big comedian. Yeah. Um, oh, I his new I know his new uh, Netflix special. Is, I didn't. I just listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, oh no, no Bill, Bill Burr's one one of those comedian podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and he was saying his new Netflix special is gonna be that. It's gonna be like okay. stand up. And then it's going to go like, like skit. Like
1: where the jokes came from? Oh, skit. Kind of like Portlandia. Skit.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But with like his real stand-up in between. And oh, just kind of nice. act it out. So, and yeah. Seinfeld's producing it. So I guess it's all in that same vein. going to be really good.
1: Yeah. We yeah. are
0: we are live now. It's <laughs> working. It
2: work. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Don't
0: stop. Don't stop. Yeah, no. uh, barely uh, in Kelsey. Did you see Brian Regan when he was here a couple years ago? No,
3: I, I would have loved to. That was uh, the
0: first time I ever saw up live. Yeah. It, it was head of Where the was it at the Republic? Blaisdell.
3: Yeah, he's Whoa, huge. That's yeah. Big. Oh, oh yeah. he, he is. Big. Yeah. He's
0: kind of he's a big, big deal. <laughs> yeah. I guess. But uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very very cool. So uh, yeah, didn't mean to, now that we've started, started, it's all like weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now we've been that talking I'm, for a little while. And so. the only one that I'm, the only one's wearing headphones. I think we're okay, as long as we minimize table stuff. Yeah, you can hear that pretty good. And yeah, that's not good. But um, <laughs> okay, we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll just go with it. And uh, yeah, Alex, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, so much for uh, Alex, for thank you. being yeah, here. Of course. Um, yeah. So What's...
1: I really wanted to ask you on um, because you have your hand in a lot of different things in as far as Hawaii independent filmmaking goes. Um, I want to talk about Sri Lanka. I want to talk about the pit, and of course, I want to talk about Go for broke. <laughs> uh, thank you i'm sorry <laughs> no 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 it's in a
0: natural place um
1: go for broke was a huge changing point in my upbringing as a independent filmmaker in hawaii thank you for that that winter break that i had two years ago totally changed my life and my outlook on what is possible from um just about anyone you are like peers, and you're out there, and you're directing this huge, major, big-budget film. Thank,
3: thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, uh, if um, I mean, if they don't know what Go for Broke is, it's it's a uh, it was an independent feature film that um, I directed, and Kelsey was art director on. And also set
1: dresser. Set dresser. Alana, Alana, Alana Bombino s- was art director, and Cedric oh, is a production. Oh,
3: you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Shout <laughs> out
1: to Alana. She, she's an
3: expert <laughs> the on, on going broke for, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I got to direct this movie a couple years ago, and it was it's about um, the famous uh, 442nd Regimental Combat Team, and the Japanese Americans who mm-hmm. fought in World War II, many of whom were from Hawaii. And um, yeah, it was a long journey, and, and Hawaii hadn't really. Uh, produced a film like that. I, I no. haven't seen a film that that mm-hmm. came out of Hawaii uh, on that scale, telling a story in this way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we've spent the last year showing it around the country, and it's played overseas as well. And uh, it was just it played a in ruining. Europe, didn't it? Yeah. So just yeah. this past summer, um, it played in Normandy, France, as part of so uh, the D-Day. Uh, festivities that they that's do amazing. every year, so yeah. It was, cool. And it ended up winning best film for the World War II Film Festival Dude, in man, France.
1: I didn't know that. That's yeah, really wow. cool.
3: Congratulations. Thank really you, really thank cool. you. It's yeah. it's really cool that I, I. Um, well, I'm very grateful that I was brought on to direct the film because I didn't uh, write it or produce it. I was I was contracted as okay. a director. How did that happen? Yeah. So that's a
1: surrender call. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> so.
3: Um, I graduated from University of in uh-huh. 2012. Okay. And at that time, um, I didn't really have any clear plans on what I wanted to do, and uh, I know I wanted to direct films, but I didn't have any sort of plan for achieving that goal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm very lucky. A friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Snell, asked me to be a camera assistant on a documentary Mm. shooting uh, that was done by the Department of Education Mm -hmm. and my good friend Matthew Nagato was the director and um, so I was just camera assistant (laughs) on this (laughs) film called Ola which came out in 2012 um, which is a great documentary about um, public private partnerships in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But on that film Mm -hmm. I was just running around like with the boom mic and lights and mm-hmm. trying to make this indie documentary, mm-hmm. I met this producer, Stacy Ayashi, and she she um, had written a comic book about the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, which is, um, you know, to, to kind of perpetuate that story and, and tell the story, because she always wanted to make a film, mm-hmm. but she could never... Get the funding together. You know, there's so many, there's so many things that have to come together to make a film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, not that
1: a comic book is any easier though.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she, she really, um, and it's, and it's, it's great because it's uh, like manga style. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's, um, you know, really tells the story, the four four two beautifully, and mm-hmm. and it's very accessible for kids. Mm. And at the time, I really didn't know anything about the four four two, oh. but she showed me the proof of her comic book, mm-hmm. and. Um, that me and her became friends through the process of making that documentary. And then she told me she was trying to raise money through a grant process, mm. and she needed help making a uh, proof-of-concept trailer.
1: Oh,
2: okay.
3: And at the time, again, I didn't have anything going for me mm-hmm. in terms of making uh, films. It was just films. the right place, right time. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. was. And yeah. so I made this proof-of-concept trailer, and then me and her started collaborating on a documentary um, that she wanted to do separate from... The Ola documentary mm. It was called uh, The Surrender Call okay. about a, a Japanese-American World War II veteran who mm. served in Okinawa. And so that was 2013, I think. And I made that documentary. And by the time me and her collaborated that much, um, and then she was able to secure some funding mm. to make her dream project, which was this movie called Go For Broke, mm. she's like, well, you know the story well. We mm-hmm. work together well. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just direct the film?
2: Mm.
3: And uh, I don't have Japanese ancestry, and I don't have necessarily a familiar connect familial connection to go for broke but I had, I had met so many of these veterans and <laughs> i had recorded their old histories oh, and sure. i had made yeah, this documentary yeah, yeah. about world war ii veterans and japanese american mm-hmm. veterans mm-hmm. and uh so i was very invested personally in making sure their story got told properly mm-hmm. and uh so just through my experience directing a few short films um she asked me to come on and direct this feature film wow and that was i guess 2013 so four years later uh-huh. the movie's done <laughs> yeah. so, you know, just you know four years <laughs> yeah yeah whatever yeah, eye, yeah totally wow That's and surrender awesome.
1: call did really well
3: yeah so yeah. uh that surrender call documentary i mentioned about um herbert yanamura who is a, a world war ii vet um who served in okinawa mm-hmm. uh yeah we were able to to um showed it in a bunch of different places it played at HIF, mm-hmm. um and it opened a lot of doors for us nice. for sure yeah yeah
0: fantastic
3: actually that film um played at the ohina film festival the oh. other local film festival and that actually um was kind of a turning point for mm-hmm. go for broke because up until that point um i was bringing all my friends and connections that i had made mm-hmm. uh through the years um, mm. on to making Go for Broke but we didn't have too many people um, in the Hawaii film industry volunteering their time or just mm-hmm. like offering like hey I want to help you because people just didn't know mm. that, I, that we were making this Go for Broke movie but mm. then when Surrender Recall Call played at Ohina a lot of people saw that mm. and then I spoke about Go for Broke in the Q and A of Ohina, mm. and from that, that's how I met my DP. Okay. That's how I got connected to HMI, who nice. uh, Hawaii Media Inc. who ended up bringing a lot of equipment on. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ohina was really a launching point for mm. for the film. And actually, that was only a few months before we started shooting. Like two months before we started shooting. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. So I, oh, you didn't I have know. your
1: DP two months before so you started
3: I, shooting. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Um, he he became. Uh, so he had a. It, oh, Jeremy it's a long to story Anthony. to Anthony to gotcha. Abe. Abe, and yeah. that's where we met uh, Abraham. A- Jeremy and Anthony, who were the DPs for principal photography, mm. were already on board, but mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know that I would need more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you yeah. know, the, the project like when you make an indie an indie feature film, it's yeah. just um, you kind of take what you can get mm-hmm. sometimes, and so sure. you want to shoot. We wanted to shoot for 30 days, but consecu- doing 30 days consecutively with. Yeah. A very small budget. Yeah, it wasn't feasible. So the process of making that that film was spread out over a few months, mm-hmm. which required different crew. And I yeah. mean, Kelsey came on to ad part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I uh, so
1: much on that. Man.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Me too.
1: So when you guys were plotting it out, then you knew that you were going to do pickups ahead of time. Yeah. Definitely. You knew what scenes you would be doing. Um, not exactly
3: what scenes. Yeah. But,
1: but you need to have nine days for pickups at least.
3: Um, thing. So yeah, yeah it, it wasn't that specific, but mm-hmm. when we, um, so Stacy, the producer wrote the script, mm-hmm. and it's very ambitious, we all agreed, like this is very ambitious mm-hmm. for the amount of money that we have, yeah. and so I, I knew right off the bat, if we just took a couple scenes out of principal photography, mm-hmm. it would just make everyone breathe a little easier, mm-hmm and allow us to schedule things yeah. <laughs> more smoothly sure, and sure. and so a couple of the, the big set pieces where um, we actually our, our big the climax of gopher broke um, involved 400 extras and wow. shutting down uh, King Street <laughs> oh in God. front of Elani Palace <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, it, it was a big production. <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of ridiculous
1: that you did that. Yeah, <laughs> That was. we did that. Yeah.
3: yeah. And so, and so we, all, like, from day one of planning, already we were like, we should just take that sequence and say, we're well, going to do this two months after we're done shooting.
2: Yeah.
3: Like, everyone can break, mm-hmm. relax, and then let's just approach that huge set piece. Mm-hmm. Like, it's its own movie. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it, it just made the process easier. So, yeah, we, yeah. we and then uh, when we did that, since we were bringing people back for a weekend anyway, we um, had a rough edit done okay. of the movies. So nice we one. were able to, like, do our pickups to yeah. fix, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you start cutting and you just, you need some cutaways then, or something. And you had a second mm-hmm. round
1: of pickups a couple months after that. So yeah. was that kind of just in the edit? It was about? in the edit, you yeah. That? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: we, yeah. Uh, again, with the film being as big as it was, and having as many characters, um, the film has like 50 speaking parts wow. in it, which is a, a lot for any size production, sure. but one like this where there's so <clears throat> many, there was so much going on. Uh, after we edited it all together, mm-hmm. um, we we wanted to kind of build up some of the characters who were minor characters, we wanted to make the major characters, mm-hmm. um, just based on people's reactions and, mm-hmm. and feedback. and Luckily, because we knew we wanted to premiere at HIF, mm-hmm. um, which was in is in November, yeah. um, we knew we would have had time to do that. So what we submitted to HIF actually didn't have <laughs> a couple of pickups. And then that oh, summer, okay. we shot for three more days. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: You weren't able to exchange the cut?
3: No, we did. You we did? did. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah, we did. But just yeah. what we had submitted and sent around Yeah. Um, wasn't... Uh, the final, yeah, it yeah. still needed some work, and and mm-hmm. um, that's when you when you have a small budget, um, you end up doing uh, a lot of things maybe unconventionally, and <laughs> oh, yeah. I end up doing a lot of the editing. the busy work and <laughs> yeah. editing and yeah. and all, of it. <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh, it takes time, and it just, you know, you just gotta have some patience and mm-hmm. and uh, wait for the right time, and go for broke is just to me when I look at. The three years that I put into making that movie, mm. um, so many things just worked out. Yeah. <laughs> they just worked themselves out, and yeah. I feel super, super lucky. And it's definitely a miracle that that movie got made, and not only got made, but came out really good. And and yeah. I'm very proud of it. And mm. and I'm everyone's so proud. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> thank you. It's
1: so great. And
3: and people have responded really well. Actually, mm-hmm. we had our one of our first. We had a few screenings on the mainland, but. The first one on the East Coast, oh. um, in October, I believe. Okay, um, at Boston Asian American Film Festival. Oh, nice. cool!
1: I love Boston. Yeah, and nice. actually, the Gopher Broke
3: ended up winning um, the Audience Choice Award. Nice in Boston. This yeah. So cool. <laughs> and it, it for me, it was very validating because yeah. when we made this movie, <clears throat> this the story um, of the film and, and the film itself. It tells you know Hawaii's story, Mm. but we wanted it to be accessible to people on the mainland, Mm -hmm. people who Mm -hmm. don't know anything about Hawaii, never visited, don't know anything about Japanese American culture. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so for that audience who um, never even visited Hawaii before Mm -hmm. to respond so positively to it and and be so engaged, Mm -hmm. um, it's hugely validating. Mm -hmm. You know, and you should be very proud. (laughs) You know, people people really respond Mm -hmm. uh, positively to the film and awesome.
1: it really goes beyond, you know. It's not a, just a reenactment or a documentary yeah. thing. People can relate to the characters. Mm. And God, I love Chavez so much. He's <laughs> just it's so great. And Chad, yeah. I miss all those guys.
3: So that that movie, if you want to check it out, is um, you can actually see it already. It's it's online. Oh, nice. Um, $20. Video on demand, $12. Yeah. $12, Yeah nice. um, On uh, well goforbrokemovie.com. Okay. Goforbrokemovie.com. And you can see more mm-hmm. um, information about it and where it's, because it's going to be screening in a few places uh, around Hawaii and then on the mainland still. Okay. I hear it's coming back That's to the awesome.
1: Blaisdell? Or is that somewhere else? Is oh, that not?
3: I don't know about that. Okay. But, but, uh, I think um, I saw that
0: online. It's the green there once,
3: yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. green at Blaisdell Concert Hall, which awesome. was really cool. That was a benefit for the Fuku Foundation. Cool. And, um, oh, yeah, that was un- unbelievable. I think something like 2,000 people came. So wow. Crazy. Yeah, over the course of a day. Wow. And Dude. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm still blown away by the, uh, support that the film has received mm. locally mm-hmm. you know and people coming out every time we've shown it we showed it at the old cannery for mm-hmm. a week um people really respond well and just start want to hear the story and share the story mm-hmm. and and um, it's really exciting for me i when i signed up for it i, I had no idea mm. that the public would be so hungry for this <laughs> yeah. but um so far um, they have been and i'm just like very grateful that mm-hmm. it was a part of the film. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah,
0: well, you know, like um, <clears throat> so many studios and productions come into Hawaii from California or from wherever, and uh, you know, make some stuff, and people can say like, "Hey, I know that place." You know, "Hey, Godzilla's killing Dukes." You know, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's rare, I think, for the the population to see something that was locally grown, locally sourced, you know, and produced here that they can look at and say, "Hey, that's freaking awesome." So. I totally agree, <clears throat> yeah. and, and we filmed
3: it all in Hawaii, mm-hmm. even though part of it takes place in Wisconsin. Um, oh no, kidding. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> some of the, the military sequences, but uh-huh. um, we shot it all in Hawaii, a little nice. bit on Maui, mm. mostly on Oahu. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if you if you watch it, you're bound to see someone you know in it. Sure. <laughs> or definitely, <laughs> Location, you're gonna recognize yeah. a lot of a lot of the locations. Yeah, nice. we, yeah, We filmed all over the place. Cool. Yeah. So, Rock on. so cool.
1: I still can't believe that we filmed at Iolani Palace. Yeah. It's so hard to get a permit there. Yeah, Mountain
3: like you
0: know. so. Like, what uh, production company backed it, or was it like your own?
3: Yeah, it's just uh, the producers. Okay, um, just something. Uh, Dean Sensui, who mm-hmm. um, is one of the main producers, it's his production company. He does a, okay. a great show called Hawaii Ghost Fishing, which is on WC oh, Sixteen, nice. I think. And uh, yeah, he's he's awesome. He did <laughs> so much. I mean it. <laughs> The thing, you know, about any production, like I had mm. said before, you end up doing all these different jobs. Mm-hmm, and um, at every point in production, myself or one of the producers was doing several jobs. Sure. And <laughs> Dean ended up having to do the bulk of the VFX work. Oh, so he's a producer why? with his production company, and uh-huh. you know, help writing checks and things. And then he's yeah. going home and animating yeah. airplanes in the sky. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, that's that's just the nature. He also was mm-hmm. our head
1: of construction. Yeah, he also what? built. He built, like, a guard shack. <laughs> what? I remember going over to his yeah. house and painting this thing, and he has his saw yeah, out. Yeah, he had to
3: build an internment things. camp. Oh my Him God. and our, our friend Sam Campos, they built this oh, Sam, big, man. like, barbed wire internment camp that's um, so amazing yeah, yeah and all at the same time being the producer so yeah um, that Literally just showed producing. like yeah it's exactly. <laughs> oh, so yeah. true yeah yeah how how you know committed mm-hmm. everyone was that mm-hmm. was on the team to mm-hmm. so making sure the movie looked as good as it could and yeah. mostly that it got done mm-hmm. so many of the things start yeah and then don't Die. ever yeah. come out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we were um very committed to you know, whatever it took mm-hmm. to get this thing done. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, and s- a lull. <laughs> and We'll be back Speaking
2: after these messages. Getting
1: things done. Um, yeah. Your other, your other project that's kind of been coursing over the years and years is your Sri Lanka documentary on Surya. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell a little bit about where you are in production on that? Uh-huh. Or what can you say?
3: No, no, yeah, I can, I can talk yeah. about it. So, uh,
1: been going back and forth to Sri Lanka now for a couple years right
3: yeah Yeah. I spent a lot of time in in Sri Lanka which is a really beautiful country it's an island in the Indian Ocean Mm. and um you know I I started out in documentary you could say because my first big production that I worked on was this Ola documentary Mm. that I I spoke about earlier and through that um so I always loved documentary Mm. I've to this day, I still work on, uh, I'm working on a few documentaries. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want to make narrative film still, but um, a few years ago, I got the opportunity to make this documentary in Sri Lanka, and, and I've been working on it since. So when I worked on OLA for the Department of Education with Matthew, we, uh, one of the stories featured in that documentary was about an organic farm in Waianae. Mm-hmm. And the man who operates and owns and works out of that farm is this uh, really wonderful man, a yogi, you could say, called Surya. And he came to Hawaii some 30-some years ago after leaving Sri Lanka because that country experienced a really brutal civil war that uh, went on for 30-plus years. And uh, the country was um, really torn apart. And then they reached... peace agreement in 2012, mm. and since that time um, Surya has been going back to Sri Lanka, mm. back to where his family is from, where he has land, and uh, he decided to start an organic farm there. and. Him and I became friends. Are
1: there a lot of organic farms? In uh, well,
3: <laughs> this is <laughs> this like is kind of, a big, it's kind of a big, kind of a big yeah, it's kind of a big detour. But um, where they come from, it's they just were, all farms. They used to be. All, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It used to be all farms. Yeah. But mm. then, with modern times, uh, pesticides have come in, and mm. there's no regulations there, so they oh just geez. use <clears throat> however much God. they want,
2: mm. uh, and yeah. it's
3: really affected the um, the the strength of the crops there. Mm. You know, rice that they used to grow could last four or five days out, you know, after it's been cooked. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe after a day, it's already rotten. It's just not resilient anymore because they use so many pesticides. So he's going to go back to um, traditional ways. And he built a traditional Hindu temple there on his land uh, in northern Sri Lanka. And this, I mean, his village was completely flattened Mm. during the Civil War time, uh, bombed indiscriminately. Um, for years and many he you know m- many people he knew were, was killed oh and God. so but now um, you know Surya has become such a <laughs> he's he's um, you know, an important member of the Hawaiian community he's lived mm. there for so long and he's very connected with the people there and his farm Mounta Farm is just is a beautiful mm. gem of a place in on yeah. Oahu and mm. and um, he. For him now, realizing he's created this thing in Hawaii, I think he wants to bring some of that back to you know, where he's from, and he has yeah. the means to do that now, where he couldn't before. Mm-hmm. So that is a, and I so I've been traveling back to Sri Lanka over the year, last three years with him, and uh, I'm documenting that that process. But on top of that, um, there's another whole side to this this thing in Sri Lanka that I. Um, and much closer to finishing, Mm -hmm. and I think it's gonna be a little bit more, um, that I'm gonna try to show more internationally. This thing about my friend, it's really for Hawaii, and I really want everyone in Hawaii to know the great things that he's doing back Mm -hmm. home, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: but there's another shorter documentary I'm working on um, in Sri Lanka. It's called um, Pariyatra, and you can actually watch a trailer for it already at Mm -hmm. sacredjourneyfilm.com. But the uh, premise of that documentary is... A pilgrimage. A pilgrimage, yeah. (laughs) So in Sri Lanka, um, the people in northern Sri Lanka are Hindu, Mm -hmm. and people in southern Sri Lanka are Buddhist. But once a year, um, Hindus from northern Sri Lanka make a pilgrimage to this very um, holy temple in southern Sri Lanka called Katra and for many pilgrims they walk for 30 days sometimes longer from the northern tip of sri lanka all the way down to near the southern tip yeah. where this temple is and the walking pada meaning foot and yatra meaning sacred journey it's mm. like by walking <laughs> they are bringing them everyone's on the same level mm. because everyone has to walk mm-hmm. and um, so beautiful That's yeah so it's great. it's a really it's a meditation it's a recommitment to their god and yeah. And um, it's a very old tradition that's gone on, mm-hmm. they say, for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, back before Katragama was a temple, it was just a holy rock before. But now it's, uh, now it's a huge temple there. Anyway, long story short, Surya uh, knew about this growing up. He, he knew people that would make this journey, but he never mm-hmm. did. And then three years ago when we went back to Sri Lanka, he decided he wanted to walk it, you know, as a 68-year-old man. (laughs) God, he's so amazing. (laughs) And uh, what I discovered, well, I decided I I would walk it with him. Now, there's a, like I said, it could take you 30 days, but the last week of it is actually off the road and you're just walking through a jungle, Mm -hmm. essentially, with, like, wild elephants and bears (laughs) and (laughs) and leopards. No electricity, uh-huh. well water, harsh right. water from streams. Uh-huh. Mm. And um, so you kind of have to like get some people together and you have to carry all your food and you have to walk down this dirt trail Mm -hmm. and uh, i decided to walk with him and film it and film all the pilgrims along the way so i had like 50 pounds of like batteries (laughs) and like way too much gear Uh um the first time yeah and it was so difficult Uh and i had not backpacked that seriously before okay and uh, it was very hard yeah and so i Barely survived, like, let alone film. Like, I think mm. the footage came out terrible uh. no. the first time. No, the first time. Yeah. So then I, I was like, I, I understand what this is now. I mm. get how walking with, because when you're walking, there's thousands of people walking. You're not alone, huh. there's, oh, okay. it's a long line of people. Huh. And they're, you know, they're all coming from all over Sri Lanka to recommit themselves to it's God. so wild.
2: Hmm. And it's hard to imagine. Yeah, you
3: know, yeah. But everyone crazy. is so nice, and everyone yeah. shares what they have. And if you need water, they give you water. If mm. mm. you need food, they give you food. That's mm-hmm. the idea, is that when you're in the wilderness, where you're from, how much money you have, mm-hmm. what your passport says is totally irrelevant, because yeah. you can't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you're just going to starve if, if yeah. you don't help each other. <clears throat> and and uh, I love the message cool. of that. And so yeah. I decided I was going to go back the next year, uh-huh. bring... Less, <laughs> yes. Yes. less things, but more <laughs> important things. Certainly. And I, I went back and we interviewed a ton of pilgrims mm. that were walking and um, took a lot more footage. And, mm. and um, I decided I started editing that together and I decided this is its own film. We can just mm. talk about how the people of Sri Lanka once a year are able to put everything else aside, recommit themselves mm. to mm. God and to each other. So and spiritual. that's a, that's a that's really cool. important message, I think, for the rest of that country, which still, mm-hmm. there's a lot of animosity between mm-hmm. the two warring sides from the Civil War days. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I met so many kids, people in their teenagers, who remember when the war was happening. Like, it's that recent. Wow. And um, who remember suicide bombings and all these things that were happening just in this, this decade. Wow. And I, uh, I said, you know, the, the message of this Padayatra um, could maybe influence some change here hmm. in Sri Lanka. And so Sri and I partnered together to interview all these pilgrims and then I went this past July, which was my third time going, hmm. but really second time filming <laughs> it properly. Okay. And um, now I think I have enough footage and I hope to put this documentary out here in the next couple months. Nice. Yeah, I've been wow um, It's just sorting. it's just, you know, it's like 60 hours of footage, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and it has to come down to something a little more bite-sized. So, Mm -hmm. um, just picking and choosing and and editing is, it's very time consuming, but it's something I really wanna get done by springtime.
0: So, in this, uh, you know, as, in this current environment of filmmaking, what do you see yourself doing? Like, uh, continuing to do, like, single story things, or, Considering we're in the, you know, the YouTube era or just online distribution era, but you're we're all the masters of our own destinies, basically Have you thought about maybe releasing it in parts mm-hmm. uh, on like a YouTube channel, Vimeo channel, whatever?
3: Mm-hmm. That's really smart. Yeah, maybe I, I think uh, so my producing partner, Matthew,
0: mm-hmm.
3: we haven't really talked about um, a strategy necessarily mm-hmm. for release, but I could see that happening once it goes public mm-hmm. Um we, we know we want to screen it in its entirety Okay. in certain countries, especially okay. where there's a lot of um, Sri Lankan people mm-hmm. uh, who were dispersed during the war. There's a huge community mm-hmm. in Canada, mm-hmm. very large community in Switzerland, mm-hmm. um, you know, that left as refugees. And mm-hmm. I think this film is for them. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And so that will probably be where it will be shown gotcha. first. Sure, um, sure. And then ho- ideally in Sri Lanka yeah. too, but that's that's much more complicated hmm. um and then
1: is it are there laws against
3: no Bernie no laws but we we don't want to it's sensitive we don't yeah it's sensitive it's yeah. so fresh yeah. that that wartime oh. is so fresh um in their minds yeah so, and there's they're constantly having political um discourse about this and mm. and yeah so we don't we don't want to to um rock the boat too much there right now but but it will Mm -hmm. i i think that's that's going to be coming i hope so yeah yeah so that that's the plan first but then maybe by the time we that's done Mm -hmm. we'll put it online that's actually really smart maybe break it up in sections and and get it out there so people the more more people can see it Mm -hmm. you know it's something shorter yeah more people will watch it oh yeah 40 minutes Mm -hmm. if it's 10 minutes yeah they'll watch the 10 minute thing sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no it's smart (laughs) thanks (laughs) Um,
0: so what's what's next for you? Oh, you just recently did a film, The Pit. Can you t- talk about that? You're very prodigious.
3: Uh, uh, well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> just recently. Yeah, recently. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I, I, I've got a few documentaries that I'm working on beyond um, this Yatra one I've just talked about. Some something for Department of Health still, and yeah. different, different things. But Yeah, Lumos. Uh, yeah stuff with. Yeah, Lumos. Yeah, Lumos Media, um, but I wanted to, um, in the wake of Go for Broke, mm-hmm. and making this thing that took three years to make, mm-hmm. and um, having to have a lot of checks along the way. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just it's not just like I had a vision for Go for Broke and then yeah. made it. Yeah. it's not it's not how it works at all. You sure. know, like, there's so many stages you go through yes. and it's yes. it's very exhausting <laughs> yeah. and frustrating at times for sure yeah, yeah. where like you have vision and you can't you can't do it for many many reasons
2: mm-hmm.
3: so after that I was just um you know I was very proud to go for broke but I, I was almost feeling um dissatisfied mm. in that I didn't make something that I think totally represents my own taste mm. um which is fine because that movie was not for me yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i we had an audience and we had you know the burden of truth mm. on us with world war ii veterans still being alive yeah. that we're making this about uh, you know and we, we we're beholden to to telling an authentic story for them certainly. and i'm you know totally totally okay with that but mm. i to to construct a narrative from beginning to end mm. is just like something i longed for mm-hmm. and so after go for broke was done and we premiered and put it you know said we're done with this yeah I started talking to the crew again, and um, you know they really enjoyed working with me. And they said, if you come up with something,
2: Mm
3: -hmm. you know, that's reasonable to shoot, we'll help you out. Okay. You know, like if you can do it in a weekend or something. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had that in the back of my head Mm -hmm. um, that I have access to the best crew Mm -hmm. that you can find in Hawaii, really, and you know. I needed to come up with an idea that was totally mine that I could um, just control from beginning to end, and, yeah. and so I just came up with a super simple short film. Okay. Um, came up with it in like a weekend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of came to me like fully realized, and it's mm-hmm. called um, it's called the pit where we were born. But if mm-hmm. you go to da Media, you can see a, an abstract from the film there. And uh, that, you know, it was it was cool. But it's the base the basic premise of the film. If you're curious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is um, a man is digging an emu pit um, in preparation for a big party okay. that he's having for his son, who just got out of prison rehab oh, thing. Okay. But as he's digging the pit, uh, his son shows up a day early, oh. and they're very confused by that, wow. and the movie is just a conversation between the father and son about, um, you know, the their life and and what brought them to this moment, and it's near real time. Okay, so the movie is nice. ten minutes, and it's ten minutes of real life, uh-huh. and um, super simple uh, in terms of. The story, which is which is what I wanted, because Gopher broke sure. was so <laughs> yeah. complicated. One location, right. two actors. <clears throat> one location two, one actors, location, two actors. Yeah. You so know, great. and what it allowed me to do though is work with DP mm-hmm. Abraham Williams, um, and completely plan every frame mm. of the film. And it was such a satisfying experience to make this short because we planned, we rehearsed it mm-hmm. very like the blocking exactly how it was going to be. Then me and Abe went to the location, which was in Waianae and stood in the location with the camera, and just said, "These are this is the movie. This is what it's gonna be." Okay. And it was like it's very freeing in a way (laughs) when you go to (laughs) set and you're like, "I know what the movie Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. supposed to look like," Mm -hmm. and we just have to. Now we just have to get there, <laughs> yeah. And um,
1: you even took it one step further and you rehearsed it with all of us too, which yeah. I've never seen done yeah. on any set, yeah. So we, we did a dry run, wow,
3: yeah. Okay. We had um, really cool, yeah. So to, you had don't to usually um, get that
1: luxury, no, no extra two hours.
3: <laughs> so, what we what I wanted to do to as a kind of a challenge for myself and the DP was we wanted to only shoot with natural light, oh. no lights, okay. and in Hawaii. It's very difficult because the sun <laughs> sets very fast. Oh, okay. we're, being, we're near the equator. Right? Mm. So that's why you see so many things shot in Hawaii that are like really high key and <laughs> <Yeah>. saturated because <laughs> the sun is mostly overhead. Mm-hmm. That's like the bulk of your day.
2: Mm.
3: So we wanted to shoot only from like 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then from 5 to 7. Mm. And that was it. Okay. So four hours. Yeah. And we did that over two days. So we had a total of eight hours to shoot the whole movie. Mm. And what we would do... Is uh, we f- I filmed like the first morning, we just filmed like a pickup sort of title shot, card shot, and with no actors, okay. But then we had everyone come at like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and we shot the whole thing on a techno crane so that with the camera would be very controlled, nice, and we just, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <Snow crane>. yeah, <laughs> we just um ran through the whole thing like mm. oh because the movie again is two characters one location that's the mm-hmm. whole movie so they yeah. the actors who were amazing mm-hmm. um is it one take no but okay. but we would we rehearsed it as one take nice we rehearsed it like it was a play yeah and they would just do the whole action mm-hmm. the whole movie and they could do the whole movie in 10 minutes yeah so we they just did the whole movie for us yeah over and over mm-hmm. and then we had martin morgan's amazing um camera operator and Ryan delet was a crane operator mm. and a lot of support from um, Hawaii Media Inc and mm. we we just had all the guys there and Kyoki Smith you know was gaffer mm. and and uh, we just ran through the whole movie <laughs> for until everyone was really comfortable with it Then we just waited mm-hmm. until the sun got right where we wanted it to be mm-hmm. and we just said action two takes per setup okay. I think it was a total of six setups for the whole movie nice <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was awesome um, I'm, I'm very very <laughs> proud of it mm-hmm. and I hope that uh, we find a premiere for it sometime soon We it's mm. all it's finished too which was nice because I edited it myself ah, yeah. and and um, when you do something like that, the mm-hmm. editing does not... I edited it in like a day. Because yeah. <laughs> we just... It's already these here. These are the best yeah. takes. Yeah. <clears throat> this is where the lighting was. Because we had to deal with, of course, weather and rain. Mm. You know, that, those things happen. That's what I
1: was going to bring up. Yeah. <laughs> you can rehearse everything to a T and yeah. then it
3: just Then decides the rain. Something happened. In and It like flooded
1: it, on us. Wow. <laughs> so great. The whole pit was, was full was water. of water. It was full of water.
3: Yeah. It, oh, it definitely geez. threw a wrench at things. But because we were so prepared mm-hmm. and we had like... we were And the actors were so on it mm-hmm. they just jump back into it and yeah. and I'm so happy with the performances I think mm-hmm. I think um it, I mean I think it's the best thing I've made mm-hmm. and, I, and I haven't um uh, I just haven't seen a movie like this mm-hmm. in Hawaii before just the, the way Abe shot it and cool. just the color and mm-hmm. the cool. location I think it's it's got a really unique feel to it cool. and um yeah, so hopefully that'll come out mm. soon, sooner than later. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry.
1: Sorry, you have a distinct taste because I would say that it's very similar to No More Aloha, another a film you did in ECM. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think kind so. Kind of about two similar characters, really mm. local, um, lower
3: income. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always um, just... I don't think there's any superior taste. Mm-hmm. People just have their own taste, and sure. I, I I like things that are really slice of life and Mm -hmm. grounded. Mm -hmm. And I like that the actors um, act like real people Mm -hmm. and they don't always say like the movie line. Mm -hmm. They just might say something that's not that profound, but it means a lot to them in the moment. And Mm -hmm. so my last project when I was at a student, still a film student, Mm -hmm. was called No More Aloha. And um, yeah, I think up until this point of all the films I made, I think the film I was most proud of was a film I made in film school, because <laughs> just the the world and the characters and stuff I Did just met no them.
1: Did you get a chance to see it?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's online. Yeah. That's online. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of my People previous. You should look that up. <laughs> no, Malo has really good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I'm very proud of that movie too. Mm-hmm. Even though it's, you know, we shot that in 2000. Nine mm-hmm. oh, on wow. a Canon T2I. <laughs> T2I. Wow. that was the top of the line at the <laughs> time. Sure. Here you are with your techno
1: crane and yeah. <laughs> a Harry Mini. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's ridiculous.
3: <laughs> Slight upgrade, but yeah. I yes. think that More we still. I think Nomar Aloha still looks great, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that of that little film too. So that that's just the types of things I wanted to make, mm-hmm. and uh, I was glad that I had the opportunity to. Mm-hmm make that sort of film again yeah um, this past year Yeah. yeah. cool. Yeah. you're
1: able to make use of your connections
3: yeah. Well, yeah yeah it's important I think I think if you're mm. you know if you're making indie film like connections is kind of everything yeah. mm-hmm. more important than money even mm-hmm. um, and you don't want people to forget that you do this mm-hmm. so you can't go away for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just sit around for too long you have to yeah. keep That's making right. things because people will. Yeah, um, they have to move on with their own lives, and they, you lose that connection, and that's yeah. um, a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the pit also was that for me. It was, mm-hmm. it was like a I, had, I hadn't made a narrative film in some time. Mm. Yeah. So it was um, it was the right time mm. to do that.
0: Right yeah. on. First thing since Gopher broke you said. First
3: right. uh, narrative. no, narrative. I, I made a PSA. Oh, before right. that, yeah.
1: you could consider narrative. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Definitely yeah. totally yeah. a narrative. Yeah.
3: I had made a public a PSA for University of Hilo about mm-hmm. dating violence that Kelsey produced. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And um with <laughs> our friends as actors, but it was a script and, you know. It's really good.
2: It's Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's called it. Two
3: Kinds of Love. Again, if you go on uh lumos.media, you can see some stills and stuff mm-hmm. from that, some information about that thing. I I'm proud of that too. Ooh, ooh. Um and the thing about directing <laughs> is uh it's hard to practice directing. Yeah, sure. Really, the only way to get better at it is to do it. Mm-hmm. But it takes so much resources and time yeah. to put yourself in a position to direct
2: mm-hmm.
3: that you definitely can get rusty. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had made Go For Broke. And then, like, I guess that was the summer after mm-hmm. we made Go For Broke, we were shooting this thing. And, um, yeah, you just you get rusty. And you, mm-hmm. if you want to sharpen your skills you got to do these little projects now and then to maintain them sure and uh it had been a while since i had directed something so the pit uh, luckily through rehearsing i was able to kind of get back in that mode Mm. the actors really challenged me Mm -hmm. um to think about my story in a deeper way Mm -hmm. and to communicate it in a way that they could understand and perform yeah you know that that's the main skill of a director and is is your communication and Mm -hmm. You do lose it, and you to improve on it, you have to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so making these making these little films and maintaining your connections, yeah. you know, it all comes together. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all works together mm-hmm. if you want to make any film and direct indie film. Totally.
1: I always enjoyed seeing you go up to the actors and kind of take them aside and like you talk in this really low voice and like <laughs> to get on their level, and you guys kind of talk about what you're looking for. Um, what's what do you enjoy most about directing is it the working with the actors is that personal connection
3: that's that's a big one um, yeah. that's a big one for sure there's there's really nothing like it where cuz even in rehearsing with actors it's not until you get into that space with everyone standing around and the cameras there and the pressure <laughs> yeah. of the situation oh gosh, is on them the acting's a hard job on set i don't care what other people, anyone else says like mm. that it is um to do it at a high level, consistently all day, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like well, these guys we'll were doing. Well, because we'll stand around
1: and wait for lighting to get set up for an hour or so. Yeah, but you better be ready.
3: When <laughs> the we're second that it back, is, yeah, and if you're not, everyone is everyone is gonna be mad at you. <laughs> yes, you know. Yes. And then at the end of the day, so your face is up there, and if the movie's not good, yeah. your face is on it. And <laughs> there's so much pressure on them. Yeah. And to be the to be the person that kind of guides them through that, mm-hmm. and you're not just telling them where to stand. You're also like mm-hmm. a psychologist in a way and mm-hmm. you have to help mm-hmm. them work through all these yeah. little things and then at the same time, not um, like you, you talk a certain way to your crew, mm-hmm. you talk a certain way to your DP, mm-hmm. you have to talk, have a different voice for them yes. and not yes. letting those things mix. Um, <clears throat> it's a really fun challenge. Mm-hmm. But, but I've, I've always been, in terms of, like, what I love about directing Mm -hmm. is um, drawn to visual storytelling, Mm. really thinking about some strong imagery that is a reflection of the theme Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. to show that visually. Mm. All my work that I've I've made, that's how I always start um, when I'm approached, even if I didn't write it, um, by Go For Broke, which I didn't write, like, Mm -hmm. I just look for each scene, the visual representation of the theme mm-hmm. whether it's in that theme whether it's in that scene specifically or the whole movie mm-hmm. and um coming up with just cool images that that make you feel a certain way like and just ruminating on those images and and trying to bring them to life like that's so much fun and yeah. you get to you know um help the production designer and costume okay. designer and the actor and the dp and everybody kind of work towards that Strong visual mm-hmm. image that you have of whatever it is example in that scene. with
1: them um, the pit
3: okay. yeah so the, the first um, so what I loved about the imagery of an emu pit if you don't yeah. know what that is it's the yeah. hole the
1: pit's definitely a symbol of
3: yeah no of, of what they're going through <laughs> yeah. but the the um, it's a big hole in the ground yeah. you know it's like three feet or two feet deep and you know, there's all these lava rocks around, and when the time comes, you know they're gonna put the rocks in a fire and get them hot and put them in the hole, and then mm. put the banana leaves and the pig inside there. But before that, you've just got all these rocks, all this wood, and this big hole, and that became the basically centerpiece for the, I mean, like the main set piece mm. for the film was like you have these these two characters who aren't on the same page mm-hmm. and there's an imbalance between them. Mm-hmm. One person knows more than the other one yeah. and then you have physically you have one standing in a hole looking mm. up at the other one one standing uh, above him and looking down at him uh, and I got to really use the whole use the, the pit which is like about eight feet mm-hmm. around and you know it's deep enough we had to put a log for the actor to step in and out of. Oh, okay you know, so' it's, it's this really striking image. And my favorite, um, I think, use of, of the pit in terms of like showing the theme of the movie was um, the father and son are, are walking arm in arm or with his arm around the son and they're walking towards the pit. But you don't see it, you're in front of them as they're walking towards it. Mm-hmm. And we put, I had this idea with the DP to put a bridge. He, he was on a steady cam to put a bridge over the pit. Mm-hmm. So when he's backing up the pit, and, like, as he walks across it, some grips pulled the, the bridge out so you don't see it. But basically, uh-huh. they're walking, and the dad is kind of suspicious uh-huh. of what the son is, is up to, mm-hmm. but the son is pretending like they're they're all good. Yeah. And as he says that, the camera pulls, a, pulls across the hole, mm-hmm. and now you just see, like, this expanse in mm-hmm. front of them mm-hmm. and like just showing how there's this ominous mm-hmm. like void mm-hmm. in front of them wow. that they need to they're going to overcome if oh. they're ever going to be on the same page and then the dad father gets into the hole uh-huh. and the son doesn't want to get in and mm-hmm. it's a that using the visual of the pit was it was so much fun mm-hmm. and as you know when you're you only get to make the decision if you're the director, yeah. you know, yeah. and and like that's to me, that's like the number one, my most favorite thing. Because some actors, they don't need, they really don't need help. Some actors, mm-hmm. they actually don't respond well if you try to say too much to them. Oh. So you just got to let them do their own thing and sure, let yeah. them work it out their own way. Okay. So you're not always working. Like these two guys in, in the pit were awesome mm-hmm. and so like malleable, but they had great ideas of their own, mm-hmm. and it, it was, they were a joy to work with, but, mm-hmm. I mean, with Go For Broke, it's 50 speaking parts, <laughs> Yeah. so every day I was working with different types of actors, and mm. some some of them um, just didn't, you know, they have their own ideas, and yeah. that's people great. People are different. Yeah, yeah, people are different, and, mm-hmm. and so it's not always, but with creating the visuals, as long as you have a great collaborative relationship yeah. with your DP, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be able to to uh, come up with some really novel things yeah. mm-hmm. and, and put feelings out there and into the audience, you know that they might not even consciously realize right. that they feel a certain way. Right. But you've just created an image in this in the sound that uh, makes them feel a certain way, and it's uh, it's just so much fun. And so, that's what um, I love about we it. Got
1: rained out on the pit, and you guys yeah. decided to go back. Um, for a last shot like a weekend or so later you want to talk about like why you needed that? I feel like we we shot pretty much the movie on, on That first section before it started raining, mm-hmm. but then you needed that. <coughs> yeah, well you just
3: yeah you, you when you do um We just didn't schedule in any time for rain you know yeah. <laughs> normally you wouldn't want a backup day and we just um this was self-financed. Mm-hmm. This short film, so we were just gonna roll the dice. Yeah. And and um, I always want to, like when you when you actually storyboard out the whole movie, you can't help it. You you become attached to certain shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just do go for broke. We didn't we didn't do storyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, we just did shot lists. Okay. Um, just because how things were changing so quick but it made it great on the day because mm-hmm. you weren't beholden to anything sure. necessarily. Okay. You could just approach the scene freshly and mm-hmm. use how everyone was interacting and then like the DP's all of the, all of them were great mm-hmm. and um, we could just go on instinct basically yeah. we did the whole movie on instinct with this like you know I just became attached to certain shots but uh, but if uh you don't schedule for god yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> you, 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 just have to bite the bullet yeah. and write the check mm-hmm. and come <laughs> back and bring uh. everybody back for for the shot and um, yeah, it was just a shot that I, I really loved and I think it yeah. I think it represented um, the relationship that I wanted uh, I to portray in the film and it'll be very clear what the shot is yeah. mm-hmm. once uh, people see the film mm-hmm. which which uh, hopefully this year. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. One thing I struggle with yeah. as in my couple attempts as a director, is um, you're talking about thematic elements and uh, representing ideas through visuals and such. That's something I've always struggled with. Because I'm always, I'm more of a what you see is what you get kind of person. Mm -hmm. And it's very straightforward. Uh, If something says a certain thing, then that's what it is. And it just blows me away when you can do that metaphorically or through symbology or or that kind of thing what would you do you have any advice or recommendation for people like me <laughs> who's well, kind of stuck in like the material world and has a harder time getting into the more yeah you
1: know. I relate to that I think I'm stuck in that too I find it hard Well I think
3: the the first thing is I don't I don't know like if you're worried because I'm sure you can come up with great metaphors. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you can. <laughs> but you might be thinking, well, people aren't going to get it. Mm. So, like, I want to make sure they completely understand everything that's happening. Uh-huh. And I think at some point you have to make peace with the idea that some people aren't going to. Yeah. They're just not going to get it. Uh-huh. So the opening shot of the pit mm-hmm. is um, a shot of a completed emu. Mm. So it's like a mound of dirt. Mm. And there's, like, steam coming out of it. Mm. And that's the opening shot. And for me, that means something, mm-hmm. and hopefully by the end of the movie, it'll mean something. Mm-hmm. But I fully recognize for some people,
0: yeah,
3: they, it might not, it might not mean anything.
0: And and how much of it is intentional, and how much of it just happens? Mm. You know, like you know, when is the river just a river kind of thing, mm. or you know, when people see something and you know, it's. Their own experiences that they bring to it. Yeah, they they derive meaning. That you're like, I, it's, it's a
2: river. I don't know. Yeah, you know? it happens
3: all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. It happened a bunch of times in the like I've shown the pit to different collaborators, and they've definitely pointed things out that I did not intend. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, That's, <laughs> totally you know, reading into it. Sure. Um, but you you have to bring a certain foundation mm-hmm. of meaning to mm-hmm. it. Because it has to mean something to you when you make it. Sure, yeah. You know, it has to. Other, mm. Otherwise, everyone's going to be confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or just like if you're holding mm. on to something and it doesn't mm-hmm. actually mean anything, mm-hmm. um, you probably shouldn't be holding on to it. That yeah. strongly you should be flexible with it. Yeah. So uh, in that way, um, if you start by just making sure that it makes sense to you mm. and you like it, mm. um, that's kind of a barometer that I work at. Yeah. But then I just... Watch a lot of movies yeah. and I just watch a lot of movies and I watch movies that um, I don't understand and then mm-hmm. I go mm-hmm. online and I read about them mm-hmm. and I feel like emotionally mm-hmm. I was there with the movie mm-hmm. and like it was really cool or it made me feel a certain way even though I maybe intellectually didn't get it mm-hmm. and um You just develop that voice that way and experiment. Yeah. I know like um some movies people say are pretentious. <laughs> you know, some of these films that you might be thinking of. And to me, something's pretentious when the director or filmmaker mm-hmm. takes a risk, but then no one gets it. Mm-hmm. But if you take a big risk and everyone was like, oh man, that's cool, yeah. then it's like not pretentious anymore. <laughs> but if no uh, one gets it, so you just have to like make peace yeah. with the fact that some people just might think you're pretentious yeah. and but but um that being said just being literal is like fine oh, <laughs> it's like totally <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that they're like yeah. there's not i don't think i mean go for broke like i think there's the feeling mm-hmm. of like i'm trying to say something else with the visuals and what you might be hearing from, from the actors whether it's just the way the camera's moving mm-hmm. um or how it's really far away when they're talking mm-hmm. or just like I'm trying to evoke some sort of feeling that mirrors what these characters are going through. Mm-hmm. But if you don't connect with that yeah. it, and you just hear the words, it makes total sense. Yeah. And and so yeah. in that yeah. way, it's not just a pure metaphor, right. you know?
0: Right. Yeah, I think regardless of, um, oh, I don't know. You you can tell when uh, the filmmaker's heart is in something, or then the artist's heart is into anything that they make, and when they're just you know half-assing it.
3: I agree. I agree.
0: So you were talking about um, figuring out a premiere for uh, the pit. Like, what does that mean to you? Like festival premiere or yeah? um, Okay. I'd like I'd like to Mm. I'd
3: like to um, put it in some festivals, Uh just especially just for the people who donated their time or mm-hmm. worked for scale, mm-hmm. rate, yeah. of the normal rate, you know, I'd like them to get some recognition. Sure. Um, but then mm-hmm. after it does that, I'm sure I'll just put it on the internet. Okay. Um, this wasn't, you know, this was self-finance, so I'm just, with your short film, I think the best thing you can do is just get it into, in front of many as many eyes as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And if you think about how many people actually see your film at a film festival. Yeah. Couple hundred mm-hmm. yeah. maybe if yeah. your screenings sold out. Yeah. maybe a couple hundred mm-hmm. and that's it and so You do four or five of those that's not that many people whereas if you put it on YouTube or Vimeo mm-hmm. thousands of people could see it yeah, um, pretty instantly mm-hmm. and They might be able to help you in ways that you don't quite understand yet mm-hmm. um, and festivals you You know you get to meet some really cool people and yeah. and the whole experience of it is great yeah, but the uh, <clears throat> to me, that's not the end game with the short. Okay. I, ideally, it can be a calling card, mm-hmm. you know, a, a little bit of uh, just showing what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's why, um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not as concerned about getting into a bunch of festivals uh, as right much now? as I'd like just people to see it. And actually, yeah. the subject of the film deals a lot with... Um, Addiction and self mm-hmm. self destructive behaviors and mm-hmm. and how you deal with family that might be struggling with these issues mm-hmm. and so I'm actually looking for a partner um, at the state uh, maybe through one of these nonprofit organizations that I've worked with in the past like when I did the the PSA for UH Hilo mm-hmm. um, about dating violence like I think that this piece would fit well with with uh, some of their uh, messages yeah so um i'm actually actively looking for a partner there oh, wow. and i might give them the movie <laughs> mm. yeah cool it's got
1: cool. swear words in it
3: <laughs> i mean the, that's not a problem yeah no the psa the psa has um, Oh,
2: that's
3: true. Huh. swear words and sexual that content sucks, in it yeah. so mm-hmm. um I, it, it'd be fine yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just depends on the partner it depends on who, mm. who wants to who wants to take it? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a really very, unique
1: direction to take. I yeah, be really cool.
3: I, do. I mean, and that—that's primarily actually how I make my living. Oh, is um, working through various state agencies doing freelance video. Oh, that's yeah. how I m- make most of my my money. Nice. Um, doing in some internal videos and, and a lot of um, like character pieces about different. Um, People living with hepatitis or people living with HIV or like do a lot of their internal videos or Uh people who uh, professors Who've gotten state grants to do certain types of studies Mm -hmm. like they'll want a video about um, What they're doing Uh so that they can show it sometimes just internally, but sometimes uh, on the internet. Yeah, and I've done a bunch of work like that. Nice. And so what's, what's great about that work is I learn mm. so much about mm. these different subjects yeah. and meet really interesting characters. Yeah. And so that's kind of um, the pit kind of came out of, like the characters in it mm. came out of that work I've done oh, wow. for the state. That's awesome. Um, just the, the way they act and some of the things they say. Yeah, yes. And uh, so that that's why my mind automatically went, Towards finding a partner yeah. through one of these organizations that I've done work for mm-hmm. um, to see if they want to use the film for their, <laughs> yeah. you know, their curriculum or something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a great attitude too, because I feel
0: like a lot of people who want to get into filmmaking or or any kind of dream job, they feel like they're wasting their time in doing stuff that's not that. You know, I mean, <laughs> like for the first uh, several years of my life post college the first time when I graduated in 02 I was spent a lot of time just kind of going from retail job to retail job or customer service jobs and that kind of thing but what you're doing when I mean even you know even though you're not making your own films you're still A making films and you're getting story material mm. and you can you know it's experiencing life that yeah. gives you more stuff to work with
3: yeah. it's so true you, you have to live to mm-hmm. tell stories <clears throat> and and it doesn't necessarily mean you can't work a nine-to-five job and also do yeah. this, because mm-hmm. you, if you're open mm-hmm. to people, you'll experience these different things. Mm. I mean, up until until I started right before we got into production on Gopher Broke, I was a security guard, mm. and that's how I was like. And I was also doing these videos internally, okay, um, but not enough of them mm-hmm. to pay the bills. Sure. So I was supplementing it with. Like that's the kind of thing you have to do yeah. to make it, and mm-hmm. and um, I feel like if you want to do film, mm-hmm. you're gonna just do it, yeah. mm-hmm. even if you're not getting paid to do it. Yeah, you'll just end up falling back into it and doing mm-hmm. it, and that's yeah. that was the case for me over and over again. Nice. even though I'd have to you know to pay rent, I mm-hmm. would be working, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at night as yeah. a security guard, and then <laughs> and then in day going to Department of Health and filming mm. a video about hepatitis awareness. like <laughs> you just, you do those things in between. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, I, and it, I've learned a lot of technical skills mm. from doing that. And I'm able to shoot my own stuff and mm. edit my own stuff and do nice. sound design and, and color if I have to. Mm. I, I can do all that myself mm-hmm. because I've continued to take on these smaller jobs. Um, now, for my documentaries, I've got the technical skill that I can do it all myself yeah, if yeah. I have to. Sure. Of course, it's nice to bring in other people to help you, but, <laughs> yes. but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm capable of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes cool. a big difference.
0: Yeah. What's it like having someone else edit your stuff?
3: It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. That's a good question. It's terrible. <laughs> Uh, so the first time that happened to me mm-hmm. was Go For Broke. Up mm-hmm. until that point, I always edited my own films. Okay. And then since then, I've edited all my own films. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just was not possible to direct and edit it. Sure, yeah. And then also, you know, the production had its own people already. I oh. didn't actually have, like, mm-hmm. the producer, Stacy and Dean and, uh, you know, everyone in An Misawa, who was also a producer... Like, they all had a lot of confidence in me, and my word meant a lot. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's they dead. could do what they wanted with it. Right. And so it's, you know, it's hard because <clears throat> you have, um, like I was saying earlier, you know, you as a director, you love coming up with these images. Like, mm-hmm. I I love ke- coming up with these really, like, uh, it's just Im- images that I thought evoke certain emotions, and then they just dis- disregard them or mm-hmm. use them in a way that... He, didn't want Mm -hmm. um but you know the editor coming in having who wasn't there on set Mm -hmm. and he did not have any sort of um emotional connection to the screenplay yeah Mm. so he was able Mm -hmm. to reshape the film and make it better Mm -hmm. i do believe um Mm. i do believe he made the film better Mm -hmm. um through his uh, his process yeah but um, I think I was more stressed in post than mm. I was making the film for that reason. Because yeah. on set, it's different. And uh-huh. then in the edit, they have their ideas. And and you just got to kind of...
0: Are there any moments where it's like, God damn it, he's right. It oh, is yeah. better. <laughs> there,
2: there, there were.
3: Yeah, there were a couple where I begrudgingly uh-huh. had to admit like mm. he'd made the right choice. Mm. And especially when people saw it, Mm -hmm. and I'd see the reactions, I'd be like, okay, maybe I guess he was (laughs) on to something. Mm. But there's also moments where I know that if I had done it my way, it's not not that it would have been better, Mm. but I just feel like things would have been cleaner Mm. or moved quicker Mm -hmm. um, too. And then you just have to write that line, I guess. That being said, I don't know that I would use an outside Mm -hmm. editor again (laughs) Uh, just because i and also because i have the skills to do it of course and i've done it a lot Mm -hmm. um it's it's hard not to just jump in there and get on the keyboard and and start tweaking with it because because it's just like second nature Mm -hmm. having edited so much documentary Mm -hmm. especially where i'm used to working with a lot of footage and trying to shape a narrative that way Mm -hmm. um it's hard. It was hard to <laughs> take a step back, for sure.
0: Yeah, um, but uh, would you still, you know, have someone else get their eyes on it too? Oh yeah, of course, yeah.
3: of course. With the pit, we had sure. a lot of screenings mm. um, with the oh, no crew thing. and the producer. Nice, just to like really, really um, make mm-hmm. sure what we were we set out to do mm. was there. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. That's the main thing because everyone signed up believing a certain in a certain vision, mm-hmm. and then of course if they invest their time and money into it and the final product is not the vision, mm-hmm. then they feel ripped off. Yeah. So I'm so deep into the movie, <laughs> uh, you know, having storyboarded it. And then I did the, my own production design. I did the wardrobe,
2: mm-hmm.
3: did everything for it. Um, when I put it up on the screen for the first time for the DP and the producer, we, we watched it mm-hmm. together um they they responded really well. Mm. It was awesome. It was it was such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. but there were just little things yes. with mm. the transitions between cuts or when to cut yeah. that I just was blind to, sure because you know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. how I thought it. Yeah. Bit, you mm-hmm. know, And so in that way it was very useful, mm. but but it felt good to be the guy on the keys. Yeah. like because one frame, <laughs> one frame, it yeah. huge difference. That's crazy. And if you, someone else is doing <laughs> it and you say, cut that a little bit shorter and they, they do 12 frames, but you wanted 14 frames, mm-hmm. like <laughs> you'll notice that later. Yeah, You totally yeah. will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People who haven't edited much. That's actually my number one piece of advice. I tell anyone who asks me mm. about like wanting to get into film, learn to edit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you can edit your own stuff early on, you will learn more from that experience than any book, any class, anything, because... When you shoot, you think you got it. Mm-hmm. You think you got the moment. You think you captured your vision. And then you look at your footage and you're just like, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did not get it at all. Yeah. And the next time you go out to film, you have that in your head. Uh-huh. And you're able to shoot like an editor mm-hmm. if you know how to edit. Yeah. And for any type of filmmaking, if you can shoot like an editor, you'll make your life so much easier mm. Um, because like on the day it rains, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like when we're shooting the pit, it mm-hmm. pours rain. Yeah. We have to make a couple cuts
2: mm-hmm.
3: of shots. We ended up reshooting one of the shots, but two of the shots, we just did not. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, Abe, the DP is just like, did we get enough? Mm. And I'm able to, cause I know how footage cuts together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say, we can take this line yeah. from that take <laughs> and this line from that take and it'll bridge it. Sure. We don't need to get the shot. But some people, one of the biggest mistakes I see is people who will shoot the entire take in every setup Mm. because they think in their mind, I want to be able to cut at any point in the conversation to these different points. If you think like an editor, you don't have to shoot the whole scene in every every setup. You're like, only shoot what you're going to actually use. Mm. You know?
0: I, I... I did that and to alive. And no, yeah. I don't take any umbrage, yeah. but um, I, I, I agree because it was a pain in the ass to uh, to, to 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 cut, kind of to shoot too. But I, I, uh, with my experience at that point, I felt like it was advantageous in that the actors got more familiar with it with each setup and each mm-hmm. take.
3: Did you were you able to rehearse much beforehand? No. Yeah, so that um, that would have helped then for sure, because <laughs> you're basically shooting the rehearsal y- in a way. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that um, makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, of course, I, I look at it now, and there's like a million different things I would do differently. But that was that was my experience. But I, I actually I agree with you also.
3: Because in, in Go for Broke, we we had a crazy crazy schedule every day. Mm. We were doing like 20 setups a day, yeah. which is. A lot. And the it was funny that AD, the first AD dice like the first day Uh, of production, he saw the shot list and it was like 19 or 20 setups and he's just like, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) No way this happens. Uh And we made it Uh the first day. We totally made it. Mm -hmm. And from then on, we were like really tight and Mm. he just, he got my style because these scenes were like, go go for broke. It's a lot of dialogue. Mm. It's a lot of human interaction and sure, sure, just sure. like slow mm-hmm. um, long scenes these long dialogue scenes mm-hmm. and t- to If someone flubs, like I would just see this on some sets where like they flub a part of it mm-hmm. It's like oh it's cut start over mm-hmm. and it takes a long time and you end up doing a mini takes but I when you edit your own stuff and you have a real feel for it mm-hmm. you can just see like no i can use that mm. that beginning part mm-hmm. mm. let's just move on because mm. i know in this wide i'm only gonna use the beginning yeah because i'm not gonna why would i be in the wide in the middle of the scene that makes no sense <laughs> so just let's move on yeah. and you save so much time so yeah. what about oh sorry no no, no i'm
1: disagreeing um
0: what about coverage because mm-hmm. i when i initially approached um like the, the only two projects I've done, um, I I had in mind pretty much this mentality, but to the extent or extreme that I did not, I was opposed to coverage. But then in the edit, I found like, ooh, I'm glad we got that. <laughs> um, so yeah, how do you how do you balance that then? Like you know,
3: coverage versus you know what you're going to use. Yeah, it just depends on the scene. It really depends on the scene because there are some of these scenes where it's like three people talking and they're all bouncing it's bouncing back and forth. Hmm. Then I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. where it's gonna need to cut because every take they're doing it slightly differently, mm-hmm. but then there's a lot of words. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can think of a couple of instances in Go For Broke where there's like groups of people talking, mm-hmm. like a, whole, a big group and it's bouncing back and forth. And sometimes you want a reaction shot, you don't always want right. that person talking, right? Mm-hmm. So we decided for that scene we do two cameras. We're gonna do a wide and a medium. We're just gonna do the whole scene okay. of everybody. Yeah, and then it allowed us to um, tighten up the conversation mm-hmm. because the lines can now overlap. Yeah, but if we had just done the take of the people talking, yeah, you couldn't overlap that way because oh. uh, their mouths wouldn't line up, right? right. Mm-hmm. So in that instance, it was coverage. But then there's like a couple of scenes that are. Um, I knew I was gonna use the camera move in its entirety. Mm. And so for that, mm-hmm. very easy, like I'm not gonna get a close up because I don't want the option. Mm-hmm. I want that swing around mm-hmm. shot. So yeah. we're only doing that yeah. and that's it. Okay. And uh, the pit was a little different because it was only two characters in one location and one scene. Mm. So we were, and it's short enough that you can analyze it line by line. Mm-hmm. And so we knew where the cuts were gonna be mm-hmm. more or less. For the again, yeah, for the actors, like we would let them go a little longer,
2: mm-hmm.
3: but um, really, we kind of knew where the cuts would be, so we just filmed that much, mm-hmm. and and then the you know in the pit we were doing this sunset thing, yeah. <laughs> so we we're so we were so limited by time. Yeah, we didn't even have the option to run a whole because some of the scenes were a lot of talking. Okay. To run the whole thing, which would be like four minutes. Sure. Okay. Let's just do the first minute. And then move on Mm -hmm. do the second minute, and um, it made a it made a big difference. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's a skill you pick up by Mm -hmm. by editing a lot of your own stuff. Okay. Even if you don't, if someone else is going to edit it for you, Mm -hmm. just take it on your own Mm -hmm. and also edit it just for like a learning experience. Mm -hmm. I learned more as a director editing than I did any other part of the process. Mm -hmm. Just um, seeing where I called cut too soon, or just like Mm -hmm. where I thought I like i said where you, you think you have the moment you think you, you yeah. captured yeah the performance of the yeah. century and then uh <laughs> you weren't really paying attention to them huh. and uh you don't get that like um tactile experience of holding what you've shot mm-hmm. unless you edit yeah. and you really feel like i i got it mm-hmm. or or not right and um I feel like most of the time I've not got it, you know, like almost everything I've made. And uh, but that's the only way to get better, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, Alex. Thank you for giving us your uh,
3: short. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's some really great advice. There. Mm. I've been editing a little bit more myself here at MVMP. And I didn't think I would be doing that as when I got hired. Editing video? Um, Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, They just need me to fill in some gaps, real small stuff. But that wasn't something that I did at ACM at all. Not something that I enjoyed or took on or (laughs) I never even thought that I, I don't know. But as you do it, you do little by little, you learn more shortcuts and you learn what works and, and then they give me feedback on the videos and. I don't know. I, now I'm enjoying it a little more. And I see what you're saying, too.
3: You're really- yeah, because when, when you get... And it's, it's a total technical skill, and I don't yeah. buy when some directors say they can't... They don't understand technical things. So they don't want to touch it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. buy that at all. You can totally learn it. Oh, yeah. Anybody can. And once you do learn it, and you don't have to think about the commands anymore, it's such a liberating feeling because you have an idea, like, oh, I bet this would look cool. Mat, like here if the transition was here, and then you just your mind just does it, do it and yeah. you're not really conscious of it And yeah. then you can just get to watch it instantly
2: mm-hmm. and
3: the faster you can work the more you can experiment mm-hmm. If it takes you a long time to put a sequence together You might you're like liable just to be like Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. good But if it's <laughs> it, You can do it like in a second. You're more likely to like let's experiment. Let's try a few different sequences Yeah, if you can do it right away <clears throat> and mm-hmm. and that's um that's the most, yeah, it's like the most valuable skill, Yeah, I, I think. And, yeah, sometimes you're not going to end up being the editor, but, mm-hmm. but by analyzing your footage frame by frame like that, um, you'll figure out what your taste is and what you value That's right. really, yeah. quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> really
3: quickly. Really yeah. Yeah. quickly. And it transfers to, to other um, jobs on set just because you understand framing and everything yes. a little bit better yeah. mm-hmm. and, like, what really plays you know, mm. even if you're doing art or production design, if yeah. you're if you can production design, and edit, to me that that's like the winning combination <laughs> yeah. because yeah. See, knowing how <laughs> things appear, and what stands out, and like like all these mm-hmm. things just it goes together, mm-hmm. it totally does. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, we're at uh, hour and a half. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. Not saying we have to cut, <laughs> uh, but just for uh, for reference, if uh need to bug out or anything with that, 7.30. Yeah.
1: It seems like a nice, natural yeah. way to end, though. Mm-hmm. I really like ending on that sentiment of <clears throat> learning to edit. Mm. <laughs>
3: and, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's, um, it's just such a – I think as any filmmaker, though, you need to learn how to do everything. Yes, for so sure. Editing is the most valuable, and actually – Cheapest to learn because mm. yeah. you can sure. just do it mm. by yourself.
1: You can YouTube anything. You can
3: yeah. YouTube anything. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's just building blocks. You're just taking this and putting it with this. Yeah. And chopping. <laughs> it's it's very visual.
3: Yeah, and then once you learn the technical side of it, you'll get a feel for the story side of it. Yeah, and the performance and tone and and um, you know making sure the visuals reflection of the theme and you can do all that and have the the pace of things and mm-hmm. just by doing it a lot. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I suggest. Yes, definitely. Oh, something right. I wanted to bring oh, up with you. One more okay. thing. Um, yeah.
1: So at ACM, there's this photo of you with these kids dressed as um, Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you do a short film about Power Rangers?
3: I did. Yeah. My, my final, the final thing I made when I was in film school. Uh, it wasn't No More Aloha. So that was a 399. Okay. Which I didn't end up finishing. Like mm. until after I was done, yeah. I did it in a f- spring semester, I graduated in a fall semester. It took me a while to, to get no more law done, right? yeah, but I was in a class called Four Ten, mm-hmm. and mm. I was chosen as the director mm-hmm. against my will, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I had written this I was just a really silly uh, so I had just made no more law, and it was so like. It's kind of heavy. It's so serious. Yeah, and heavy. it's very serious. <laughs> and, very, and
1: Alex kind of has that reputation, too. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. feeling heavy. Kind of uh, angsty.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: Yes. So, a photo of you with these colorful yeah, costumes. Oh, they very they look yeah. like film they're
0: school. homemade. Very film school. Yeah, I needed to <laughs> just
3: break out of that. That's <laughs> sure. So, the hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was wearing a Power Rangers shirt, I think, oh, nice. too. Oh, it's so perfect. Um, which I tried to wear. No, it, it was so much fun. It was a comedy mm-hmm. about. I you wrote it? I wrote, in, yeah, oh I wrote it, directed nice. it. It's called yeah. Ion Ninjas. I created an entire lore uh, opening TV. Because, <laughs> like, it it would intercut an episode of Ion Ninjas, which I shot in 4x3 on DVD. <laughs>
2: nice. So it would
3: look kind of... Yeah. And we made, like, my, my editor, Brent Marita, had some After Effects skills. Okay. Which, in 2011, yeah. come on, like... Not everyone was doing that. So, oh. so um, yeah, we had, like, a giant monster fight sequence just like Power Rangers. <laughs> but it was about a retired Power Ranger oh. who is like, people who work – and he owns a boxing gym. And people who work at the gym mm-hmm. – like, he's, like, depressed and he's going to retire mm. and close the gym down. But they, like, all work there. And they discover that he was a Power Ranger. Mm. And so, like, they decide they're going to dress up like uh, – putties essentially <laughs> yeah and they're gonna like attack him okay and try to like and then he, they do and then he like has a weird flashback and then actually beats them all up oh jeez <laughs> that's what the movie's about it's so silly but it was so much it was so that. much fun to make yeah i it does not exist don't ask <clears throat> me it. Awesome.
1: oh come on is it on oh. youtube no,
3: it's it's not but i'm sure i'm sure uh someone at ACM oh, can track great. it down for you. So was there like a
1: monster fight with two figurines?
3: <laughs> no, like we did it on a green figures. screen actually. Oh, nice. We went all Dude. out and it took, we shot it in Kakako, like looking towards the skyline, which mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: weirdly enough, if you look at it now, it probably looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of these like. high rises were there mm-hmm. at yeah. the time. It was just, uh, you could see all the way the mountain. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was uh, that's a throwback. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. yeah.
2: Nice. You got to start somewhere,
3: you know, you got to, you got to make, I think you have to make a ton of bad movies before you make a good movie Mm -hmm. and you got to just get them out of the way. Mm -hmm. And that was such a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the crew had like so much, we had so much fun. We became so tight Uh. during that production, even though um, the movie is.
1: It might be your best film. You gotta get it out there. Let people watch it. This um, nineties, early two thousand nostalgia is really hip right now. You're right,
3: you're right. Maybe I'll revisit it. I'll do I'll do a director's cut, maybe, (laughs) and put it out there. Yes. Love it. All right.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. This is so fun.
0: uh, You mentioned Lumos.media. Where else can we? Yeah, and you you? can go to
3: abocary.com, which is A in my last name. So A B O C C H I E R I. And dot uh, com, and that's where you can see no more aloha. And there's links to um, my other films and mm-hmm. to go for broke. There's there's links to go for broke there. Nice. And um, yeah, in the upcoming do- documentaries about Sri Lanka and Goody. stuff, they're on there as well.
0: Are you on the social Meads also?
3: Yeah, also at Abel Carey on Instagram. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's. Uh, the only one Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. becoming the, yeah. It's
1: like the only ones. <clears throat> yeah, the only important one. You don't have a Twitter? Come on, man.
3: I, I do, but I've probably not posted since 2011. Uh, something. The whole so. state of Hawaii is like that. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, thank well,
0: you. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for joining us on the live stream <laughs> and uh, whoever did. And we'll look at it now. So,
2: yeah <laughs> all right thank hey, thank you alex yeah. thank
0: you